Shalom and welcome to the Israel 360 and Jewish Boston podcast. I'm Miriam Anzavin and I'm here with Dan Seligson. Today we're talking about an issue that's extremely important to people for reasons that I don't fully comprehend, namely baseball. Dan, tell us a little bit about why you care about baseball and why we're doing a podcast about it. I care about baseball. It's in my blood. I was born in Boston, and I'm a huge Red Sox fan, and baseball means that spring is coming and summer is coming. You get to drink beer and hang out outside. It's a great way to get a sunburn. I just love everything about baseball. Usually, I only care about martial arts or sports with a Jewish connection. So is there a Jewish connection here? Yeah, I definitely found one. I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, We interviewed a guy named Ryan LaVarnway, who is a catcher currently playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates. In 2013, he played for my beloved Boston Red Sox. He's also bounced around a bit with the Orioles, Braves, and Oakland A's. He also went to Yale, and while he was at Yale, he really tore it up by winning the NCAA batting title with a 467 batting average and set the Ivy League record with a 25-game hitting streak. So, what, uh, what about Ryan? He played for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic at this time last year, which is basically the World Cup for baseball. And he led that team with an outrageous 580 batting average and carried them to improbable, I'm going to say they're improbable, victories over South Korea, the Netherlands, and even Cuba. Even Cuba? Yes, Miriam, even Cuba. Before the tournament started, however, Team Israel, which is made up of Jewish American minor leaguers, well, mostly minor leaguers, bonded with a trip to Israel that was chronicled in a new documentary called Heading Home. And he's talking with us today about the experience he had playing for Team Israel, the vital importance of the mensch on the bench, and a little bit about this new documentary that's coming out. Well, in that case, I guess tonight really is different than all other nights because I'm voluntarily going to learn something about sports. Hell may have just frozen over. You're not going to regret it. We are so thrilled to welcome Ryan here today on the Israel 360 podcast, speaking to us live from somewhere in Colorado. Welcome, Ryan. Uh, What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about a couple things today. We want to talk about, uh, obviously, playing for Team Israel uh, last year and also about the documentary that's coming out in a couple weeks in Atlanta, heading home, and I guess uh, in the rest of the country as well, hopefully Boston soon. Uh, so let me get into some questions that we have um, that we've been dying to ask you since we were watching this thing last year. Uh, how did you end up playing for Team Israel? Kind of how did that whole thing get started? Um, it, it was basically just a phone call. Um, there's not a ton of Jewish baseball players, so it wasn't like a rigorous application process from my end. I think they had a harder time finding enough guys to fill the team. But um, five years ago, when they when they tried to qualify it for for it the first time in 2012 or 2013, I believe, uh, they called me and asked if I would participate, and I was. I was all about it. I was like, definitely I'll play. Um, the qualifier was in September. Uh, so I happened to be in the big leagues that year um, and I wasn't able to play. But then four years later, got the same phone call. Hey, would you be willing to participate? I said, yeah, you know, if I'm not in the big leagues, I'd love to play. And, and this was the, the first year I didn't get a call up. So 
I was there and it was, it was fun. It was, we had a, we had like a team mini camp, I guess you could call it up in upstate New York for the few days leading up to the, the qualifier. And, and the guys that had played four years ago spoke very powerfully about um, how the experience meant so much to them. And it kind of changed their relationship with Judaism and Judaism and baseball, especially and that when they lost in the last inning of that qualifier five years ago, that it still hurt four years later and that it was one of the more devastating losses that they had had. Um, so them speaking so passionately and then when we got into the qualifier, it was crazy how, how dead on their description was and how we all just wanted to win so bad. And, and it, was, it was a little bit different than a lot of minor league baseball because you have – all the guys on the team pulling on the rope in the same direction. And there's no ego. There's no, you know, I want to play a little bit more. There's no worrying about a contract. It's all just about winning. It, it was so pure, just about the baseball, just about the results. Um, and then to get the victory and go to the tournament, um, it was a pretty special thing. And that that's something you don't get to do very often in a professional career, not be striving toward something besides winning the next game or winning the game that you're in, right? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times in, in pro baseball, you got a guy in a contract year, or you got a guy fighting a nagging injury, and he's worrying if he should if he should play, or you have the younger guys worrying about maybe getting sent down. Um, there's so many different things to worry about in professional baseball, where it really is it's it, it is about the baseball, but it also can be a business at times. Uh, you have trade, you have all sorts of things, um, guys that are new to the team, got you know all sorts of things, and then this uh, World Baseball Classic. It was it was different. It was it was pure. It was it was pretty cool. So uh, I read an MLB.com article uh, last year when you guys were in it, and I went back to it this year before we came on, and it described you guys. And I'm going to tell you, I think this is insulting. Has beens and never will bees. Yeah. Uh, so you know, expectations for the team were were low. Um, a lot of minor leaguers who no one had heard of before. But when you guys first got together and you talked about that that sting from 2013. How did this team think that, what did you guys think about yourselves? What did you guys honestly think that your chances were coming into it? Um, I think we definitely all think we had, we all thought we had a chance. And, and I think that maybe the low expectations was a blessing in disguise maybe, because it was another thing that just rallied us around each other. And, and we, we all kind of know that in our hearts that like, we're not Giancarlo Stan, we're not Derek Jeter. Like that goes without saying, we haven't had these, unbelievable careers where we get to the big leagues and never go down. Like at this point, I think I've been called up and sent down 13 times. Uh, you know, Cody Decker leads the minor leagues, all of the minor leagues in home runs in the last six years and ha only has 11 at bats. Um, there's so many of these guys that for one reason or another, the opportunity hasn't been as strong or consistent, or, or maybe when the opportunity came, you hit a cold spell. Um, Whereas a group that kind of bonded us as well. I mean, not just the Judaism, not just, you know, being a minority within baseball for that reason, but also the, the, the struggles that we all, we all knew we didn't have to explain it to each other. Um, we all, we all kind of understood where we were all coming from, uh, from, you know, from the, the way we were raised in the Jewish households, uh, but also within the game. So, uh, the fact that that was pointed out, so, um, not, let's say not subtly. Um, it just, it was just another thing that we rallied around. Yeah. It sounds like the Eagles now, which we don't, you know, we're not crazy about that, but I'm, I do like the way that you guys did it. So um, let's get to the actual 
games themselves. I just found I just found that sound effect, so I had I, I just that. had to use it. Um, so pool A, you guys were in. Uh, I don't know if there's an equivalent for a World Cup, but it seemed like certainly the group of death and the one that you guys were not supposed to get out of. Um, yet Team Israel absolutely crushed, and you were voted MVP of the pool. You batted over 550 with an on-base percentage of 692 and a ridiculous 889 slugging percentage. How did you elevate your game to this level? I mean, is this how you always play or is this something new for you? Oh, I mean, I certainly don't hit 550 every year or I wouldn't be a has-been or never would be, right? Um, no, I mean, it's, I think it's about tournaments like this are all about who's getting hot at the right time. And it's similar to, to the playoffs. And you talked about the Super Bowl coming up. But, you know, over the course of one game, anybody can win. That's why you play the game. And, and uh, I think we just... You know, we got hot. They, the coaching staff and the and the organizers did a great job of of bringing us together in those mini camps that we did. Um, and we just we just got hot at, at the right time. And we had a couple. We got over to Korea a week early. Um, we played a couple warm up games against you know like the police type of team they have there, the firefighter. I'm not exactly sure how they do it. I think everyone serves in the military, and and they have a some of the guys that would have gone professional but ended up having to serve for the police or the military. They they have their own team. So we got a couple of warm-up games and we kind of, they play different baseball over there. So we got a, a little bit of an introduction to the way that we could anticipate that the, the national teams were going to play. And, and we just got hot. And, you know, I think, you know, once we got over to Japan, we were one win away from getting hot enough to make it to the final four. And, and I think a lot of us think we should have won that game too. Yeah. So, you know, I, I remember very distinctly last year, I would get into work early and I'd turn on my computer and it was live streaming on, I think, ESPN3 or something. And I, well, like there was this group of Jewish guys on Twitter who were up super early, live tweeting everything that was happening in the game, like just losing their shit, honestly. <laughs> and, and, you know, did you guys ever surprise yourselves in these games? Um, I think in order to win, you have to be able to visualize yourself winning ahead of time. And we definitely did that. Um, as much as the, the mass media had us as the big losers of the tournament beforehand, there were a couple of, of media members that actually scouted the teams and, <laughs> made, and, and, and gave us more favorable odds, I think. Um, instead of just, you know, reading like Israel's 65,000th in the, in the world, whatever. Um, so we had an idea that, you know, Taiwan maybe wasn't bringing the best squad they possibly could have put together and that maybe the Korean team was getting a little bit older and that we were certainly better than we were getting credit for. Um, not just in our own heads, but in the minds of other people that kind of understood baseball. So I think we definitely had the idea that we could at least make it to Japan. And then once we got to Japan, it was another thing of, wow, can we wrap our heads around like seeing ourselves win this thing before we actually do it? And, and though that Japanese team was, you know, was really good. The Netherlands team, you know, they, they were a different team the second time we played them. Um, but man, I think that next time, I think it's going to be a lot easier to visualize ourselves making it all the way to the final uh, now that we made it as far as we did. Yeah, amazing. So you said that you, when you spoke to the previous team, uh, when you went up to the training camp and they said about, they talked about how much it stung to lose. Uh, do you feel like you've overcome that or how much did it hurt to lose? And you said looking forward that you can really see yourselves winning next time. Yeah. Um, 
I, I can't speak for those guys that were there uh, in 2012 or 13, whatever year that qualifier was, right. but um, for the way that they spoke so passionately about, about the disappointment of the first loss, I think that's how proud the rest of us are of this last tournament. Um, we, we feel like we really did something special and, and beyond baseball, even that just maybe changed the conversation about, about Jewish people, uh, Jewish people and Jewish baseball and changed the conversation about Israel. Even if it, it was just for a few days or a week, just change the conversation to a more positive light, something more um, constructive that brings people together as opposed to the way that a lot of the media and a lot of the politics, you know, tend to be negative. A lot of times sure. we just want to bring positivity uh, and our, and our goal was really to um, help grow baseball worldwide and especially in Israel. And we said it a lot during the tournament. I'd like to reiterate it right now that our, our main goal as, as mostly American players playing for, for Israel. And, and that was a little bit controversial in itself was we want to grow the game in Israel and we want it, uh, Israeli kids that were watching the tournament or listening to it on the radio to fall in love with baseball when maybe they hadn't played before. And then when they grow up, maybe 12 years from now, 16 years from now, uh, those are the kids. You have a team playing for Israel with all Israeli passports. They all grew up playing the game. And, and maybe these kids, they watch this tournament and that's the reason they started playing baseball. Yeah. Well, I think you, you mentioned that you guys connected um, as Ju so Judaism connected you when you went up to to the camp in New York and upstate New York um, and specifically Ju Ju right. Ju Judaism and baseball and that there's is there some connection there for you? Are you talking about as far as the way that we bond yeah. as a team? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have we don't have to, you know, talk about the way we were raised because every single one of us was at the dinner table and, and our Jewish mom or Jewish grandma was like, Hey, do you want some some thirds? Do you want some fourths? Like force force feeding us food, or or you know, or, or embarrassing us when they drop us off from school? Just like you know, just like everyone, um, uh, or or how on you know on Sundays they have baseball chapel every week, and you know you have the kids that are like, or the, the players that are like, hey, you want to join me for baseball chapel? We're like, not really my thing. Um, so just just the the little things um, that we kind of understood about each other. Uh, and you said, we read that you said the World Baseball Classic was a, sort of a life-changing experience for you. Uh, tell, can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Um, so we talk, I talk, just like I just said about having you know, a Jewish mom or Jewish grandma, you know, force-feeding your food. Uh, I was kind of raised in a household that my dad was Catholic and my mom was Jewish. And we kind of celebrated um, Hallmark, okay, <laughs> if you will, where you know we saw we had a Christmas. Day. <laughs> yeah, no, well, we had we had a, you know a Christmas tree in the house, um, and we celebrated for the presents. It was never about uh, the religious side of it, and then we would celebrate Hanukkah with the with the candles, and we didn't really we didn't really celebrate the miracles that we that have religious significance. We just you know celebrated it just to celebrate, just to have something to give presents for. Um, and as I've been growing older, I kind of felt a void within within myself about, you know, I didn't really have a community that I belonged to. I didn't really feel a strong relationship with 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 God. And I, I started going to, to Temple my senior year of high school with a friend's mom just because she had MS. She needed someone to drive her. I was looking for a reason to go. As I got it into Yale, um, I started joining small um, religious groups, whatever, um, to kind of explore my own relationship with religion. 
Uh, and then you get into pro baseball and the media training they give you is always very strongly emphasizing not to say anything controversial or not to say anything that could be a tagline. So I always kind of was a very private person in the media. And even my, my wife these days is like, man, your interviews in your first few years of pro ball, you're so bland. Like who would ever want to listen to that? Um, Cause I was trying so hard to just not say anything. Uh, so playing for team Israel, it was really the first time that I, really broadcast in a public way my own beliefs in any form. And I feel like jumping in with two feet was was really a, a great experience for me. And I, I say life-changing because I do feel more of a sense of the community of the Jewish people now. And I feel I feel the support and I feel it's really just more, more of a feeling and a relationship that I have with understanding that the Jewish religion can't be separated from the Jewish people in the Jewish community. And I think I finally understand that now. Amazing. Can you talk a little bit about the, uh, the mensch on the bench, what that was? And, uh, if you thought that that influenced the game at all? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if it influenced maybe the game as far as like the movie major league with Joe, uh, (laughs) Joe Boo or whatever. Um, so I I had never honestly myself heard of the elf on the shelf. I, I didn't know anything about it. Um, but Cody Decker shows up for the qualifier with this little mensch on a bench, basically still in the wrapper, um, still in the, the cardboard setup. And and it happened to be in the locker next to me in Brooklyn. And it, we just kind of, you know, guys were joking around, making the Joe Boo reference from the Major League movie, you know, giving it a little Manischewitz uh, shot to sacrifice before the game instead of whiskey. But uh, And then when we qualified... I think it was Nick Rickles runs out of the dugout with the mensch high over his head and and it just kind of became a rallying point. And then I don't know how much we really thought about it, but then Cody shows up to Korea, or I think he showed up even to Arizona for the minicamp with a life-size six-foot-tall mensch. We're like, <laughs> what, where in the world, Cody, did you get that? Um, it had to and be then, custom. Yeah, I don't know. I think he contacted the makers directly from Shark Tank or whatever, but – um, I think, again, it was a really great distraction so that if we're talking about the mensch, we're not talking about, quote, overachieving. Um, so I think it was a really good thing. And it kind of became a, a phenomenon over in Asia where, you know, they like to take pictures a lot anyway. So they like to take pictures <laughs> with the mensch. That's awesome. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Talk about the documentary that's coming out in February, Heading Home. Um, was this your first trip to Israel? was wow okay and so how was the trip oh my god it was a whirlwind it was unbelievable um we got to take a plus one with us so my wife got to come with me and she had gone on birthright and with her sister and my sister also did birthright um and she you know she was like this is a very different type of of trip um we the 10 of us went and uh we basically had scheduled 16 hour days where we were trying to fit in as much of the country, as much of the history uh, of the learning, um, seeing the sites, tasting the food, meeting the people um, really as we could. We spent four nights in Tel Aviv. Um, we took a bike tour of the city. We uh, saw the the national hall where they declared independence. Um, we took a graffiti tour where this was actually cool. I don't know if this will be in the movie or not. Um, one of their most famous graffiti artists, Solomon, 
um, had almost done a paint by numbers piece of graffiti and he had us kind of fill in his holes because obviously none of us are strong graffiti artists. Uh, and we got there. We're not really sure what it is, but it ends up when we fill it in and then he kind of cleans up our mistakes. It was a beautiful graffiti mural of Sandy Koufax wearing the Team Israel hat. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then we um, we went to the 9-11 memorial that they have in Israel. We went to the Shoah Museum. We went uh, spent four nights in Jerusalem. Uh, went to the Kotel on Shabbat. Um, we went down to the Dead Sea. We hiked Masada. It was just a crazy whirlwind. Um, how much can we fit in an eight days trip? And if you've never been, I highly recommend it. Um, really, really talk about feeling your connection to Judaism. Um, and there was cameras. There was cameras there uh, filming it the whole time. So I'm excited to see what they do with this film. Yeah, we're, we're excited to see it. Did the did the trip help bond the team? Did it contribute to your success on the field? You Definitely. Think? There, so there was there was ten of us that went, um, and then eight of us ended up playing for the team. One was um, one was uh, John Moscott, who's going to play in four years. He just had surgery, and Gabe uh, Kapler, who coached the team four years ago. Uh, so the eight of us that that went and played on the team definitely felt a stronger connection. I feel, uh, I feel like we felt kind of like we were the core. Whether it was true or not, we felt like we were the core and we were kind of emanating out and trying to lead the rest of the group. Um, but we had just this amazing trip. I still keep in contact with a few of the guys, especially from that trip. And we have a, we definitely still have a group text chat going. Um, you know, people yesterday were asking about Super Bowl tickets. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the trip was unbelievable and I can't wait to go back. Yeah, so, you know... Um I actually took a very similar trip. I was fortunate enough to um, be with a group that took Julian Edelman to Israel for the first time. And very similar itinerary, very similar impressions that he had of the country. And, you know, the the uh, the brotherhood of and sisterhood of professional Jewish athletes is pretty small. And when Julian started to hear about what you guys were doing in the World Baseball Classic, um, he wanted to get uh, a hat for him and Danny Amendola so that they could wear them on their, they were on a trip in Mexico at this point filming something else. So those guys were really excited about it. And I think Julian definitely felt some kind of a, a bond with what you guys were doing because he, you know, he just gotten back from Israel and there's not that many of you. Yeah, that's very cool to hear. Your numbers are growing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're based in Boston, you know that, and of course we're big Sox fans. What was a more significant experience for you, uh, the World Series or leading Israel in the World Baseball Classic? Oh man, they're so different. Um, well, the World Series I didn't get the chance to play in. Um, so as much as that was something that I've looked forward to since I was, you know, five years old and even knew what baseball was, uh, I still have a hard time claiming responsibility for like I won the World Series. It's still a, it's still a tough thing for me to swallow. I mean, I, I know I was a big part of the team um, and being there, you know, it was an unbelievable experience. Definitely one of the coolest things I'll ever be able to do in my life. Uh, but this World Baseball Classic, um, to feel to feel like I had a real impact on the games and on the team, um, it's just a whole different type of animal, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh... – 2021 is that the next world baseball classic or is it every four years every four years yeah so um you already said you'd want to play for team israel again but do you think there's some new talent coming up that could 
that could help bolster the ranks? I know you're going to be there, but I certainly hope so. You know, there was a, there was a few, um, a few not so much has-beens. There's a few uh, major league superstars that, that could play for us if they chose to. And I think uh, a few of them chose to play for, for Team USA. Uh, a few of them, you know, were maybe in contract years and, and didn't want to make the trip during spring training when it, you know, they're trying to get ready for the season. But I hope that our success would encourage people. Because another thing is nobody wants to volunteer to play for a loser. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I really hope that our success, you know, it, it kind of builds on itself and snowballs. And these guys that, that maybe weren't so sure are, are hopefully jumping at the opportunity to play for us and, and we can really make a run at this thing. Well, that's amazing. You know, um, I think awareness grew uh, exponentially while the uh, tournament was happening. But I think in 2021, organizations like ours and federations around the country and, you know, people who back Israel will be paying much closer attention and uh, I think it'll be huge. I, I really think it's going to be enormous in 2021, which is only what three some odd years away. So. Yeah, I hope so. My, my mother-in-law was trying to get some Israeli, uh, the Team Israel gear from MLB.com, and they didn't produce enough because I don't think they expected us to be so popular. So maybe they'll make a bunch more gear, and we'll see Team Israel stuff all over now. Yeah. I love seeing yeah. it around the city. People taking the train, and all of a sudden, I see the hat. That's so awesome. Oh, I know. I love it. I give uh, I give I give some some young kids lessons here in, in the winter time just to, to to you know give back to the community and keep me busy and a couple of my, the kids I give lessons to wear the Team Israel hat and it always swells my heart with pride when I see it. That's awesome. Well, Ryan, I uh, want to be conscious of your time and let you get back to whatever it is you're doing there in Colorado. I think you've got a flight to catch or something. So um, I want to thank you so much for being here. You. Uh, Totally fascinating to hear about that that amazing run firsthand, and um, can't wait to see it happen again. Really, yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's a cool uh, cool show you guys got there, and keep doing good things. Thank you, Ryan. All right, thank you so much. Cool. All right, thanks, guys.